Welcome back to another episode of Matters of the Heart and Soul Podcast. This is your host, Russell Bruce, and the beautiful Jamie Charlotte, as we continue to bring you more amazing content to all matters of the heart and soul as we awaken humanity to all things within. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Enjoy. All of the, they don't know how to do it to win this war is to know that you don't have to, you know, go by the creator. When you tap into your consciousness, exactly. You so you be in the most positive day you're excited about your day like charged up because what exists in you starts in the mind you can't see the mental spiritual realm and they're going to manifest in the physical if they're using anything we have to be unified and just because somebody has person is 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 bringing love and compassion and light you powerful Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Matters of the Heart and Soul podcast. My name is Janie Charlotte, one of your hosts, along with Russell Bruce. Hello, everybody out there. All right. So on this podcast, we are talking about the psychology of race and its impact on Black Americans, okay? Um, This podcast is all about raising consciousness, growing, expanding, And I think it's important that we talk about difficult topics, but we talk about it in truth. We figure out where we've been and where we're going. And the only way to do that is to talk about it, bring it to light. So I'm actually going to be interviewing Russell on this podcast. Uh, He has a wealth of knowledge in this area. And um, I think it'll be better if I just kind of interview him and pull some of those things out of him. So, um, did you want to add anything before we get started? Oh, let's jump right into it. All right. So, like I said, this is about the psychology of race and its impact um, on Blacks in America. So, why is this important to shed light on? Yeah. So, today, uh, we're on the eve of another election. And there's a lot of turmoil already going on in the world, right? So it's like, it seems like every election time we we go through, you know, we go through the financial instability of the nation. We go through uh, racism within the country and in the world because they're political topics and, and people tend to take advantage you know, of the people who are less informed. So I think, you know, what I want to do is just kind of put some things out there because it's like, I really don't speak that much about it, you know, on social media and around people because it's, you know, like politics to me is like a necessary evil. Like there are a lot of things like that to me. And as soon as you take one side or the other, people tend to demonize you or to love you and, you know, but in unless you have a platform like this where you could speak, you know, your truth in, you know, in an abundant scale where you could cover different angles and, and give receipts so that people could go do their own research, which I think it's a lot better. So, and I think having the opportunity to get your full 
thought out. Exactly. Because a lot of times people are getting exactly. small pieces, what people are saying and totally taking what they say out of context. context. Yeah. So that is good. Yeah, you get the trolls and the cyber gangsters and cyber bullies coming at you and you end up in a text war and I'm not about to do that. So Yeah. So let's talk about the identity crisis. Let's just, you know, talk about that right now. Yeah, so and and why this is important to me is we we've been having some discussions like we've been doing our genealogy and helping other people with theirs, and then also, um, you know, just seeing the psychology of race and how it impacts people. And Janie's gonna talk about something that she read yesterday as well that was kind of kind of ridiculous, but that's the way the com the country's kind of constructed, right? But, you know, just just looking at people in America, black people, so-called black people, and there's somewhat of a revolution going on within the black community. Not, not a bad one. It's actually positive because it's starting to get people to talk and think, right? There's this big debate whether or not black people came from africa or they're indigenous to america and this will bring up a whole can of worms so in studying genealogy and doing the research i had to change a lot of my beliefs right and i'll share some of that with you right um in the school system which now i'm starting to find out a lot of the stuff that we're taught in the schools is totally incorrect and there's agendas behind it right so like for example when you start studying the slave trade back during the time in which they said that all these africans were being taken out of africa and brought to america these steamboats didn't exist back then they only had sailboats so the numbers of people that they claimed that they brought it was totally impossible uh the time frame in which it would have taken them to bring them here. Like you can't even go lay down on your hardwood floor for 24 hours, let alone two months. No bathroom breaks, uh, women having their menses, people urinating on one another. You know, just the toxic fumes alone would turn that place into a gas chamber. You know, and to say that they were force fed. Matter of fact, we need to see details and receipts from those who claim that they pulled this off because it's utterly impossible to have moved that many people. And initially, they used to say there was 100 million people that, you know, were brought to the Americas. But you can go log on to slavevoyages.org and you can do the research yourself. So now, uh, some 25 years later, instead of them saying 100 million people, it, they're down to, say, 12 and a half million. But when you start researching, all of those people didn't come out of Africa, and less than 5% of them even came to North America. You know, it shows that they went to Brazil, you know, Haiti, Jamaica, some of the islands, some went to Europe, etc., but there were also wars that were going to religious wars going on in Europe at the time, like the Jacobite rebellion. You can actually pull up 
who those prisoners of war during the Jacobite rebellion were, and they were shipped here to America. Matter of fact, you can Google um, Jacobite uh, transportation. And I think it was like 1745. There were actually a couple, they called it transportation when they were removing these people who were fighting against uh, British royalty, trying to place King James Stuart and his bloodline back to the throne. So we'll probably touch on some more of that later because there are a lot of names that we hear of and we really don't understand the importance of those names and what role they played in helping to bring about, you know, this U.S. or say American society that we currently live in. Mm -hmm. So can you um, can you shed some light on how these classifications came about? Because in doing our genealogy, you know, even we were able, to, I was able to view um, records and things from my ancestors, you know, that they were marked as Indian, then it was color or free people of color, and then it became African-Americans. Um, and then even speaking with uh, with my ancestors, my uncle, who has a wealth of knowledge about so much that happened in Louisiana, um, I'm learning a lot. So can you talk a little bit about how these classifications of Black Americans came about and, and how that has really created an identity crisis? Yeah, so... All right. So if you go back and you start studying the history of the, say, the transatlantic slave trade, or even prior to that, because the transatlantic slave trade, they say, started 1619. There's a book out there called the 1619 Project. You also have, uh, oh gosh, what is it called? I'll come back to that. But anyway, they base everything off of that year. But if you go back even further, uh, 1492 is when the Moorish Empire in Spain fell. And then Isabel and Ferdinand sent Columbus on the voyage to discover new territories. So 1492 is very, very pivotal in history. And it's not taught in the schools, you know, from both sides. is is like the stories told from the victor. So you know, if you go out and do the research, they don't want to tell you how these North African and Middle Eastern uh, Moors ruled Europe for well, almost 800 years from 711 to 1492. So when that fell, and Moor is a term, it's a Greek term, more from Mori, Maro, it's a Greek term that means Black. And there's a lot of other people to debate saying it's even more ancient than that. But it really just means Black. And, you know, if you want to have some fun, go out there and Google, uh, you know, how you say Black in different languages, right? So in Spanish and Italian, you you say, well, you say Black in Spanish and Portuguese, but in Italian, it's Nero. And there was a character back then named Nero. If you go, say, to like Germany, it's like Swarth or Swarthy, you know, because back in the early 14, 15, 1600s, you'll see them defining people with these terms as swarthy or uh, swartz, you know, like Schwarzenegger. Wonder what that name means. Look that one up. But anyway, coming forward, you know, and coming into America when uh, 
Columbus got here, which he never came to North America. He, he went to the islands. He was in Puerto Rico in the islands. And DeSoto came to like Florida and Alabama, different places like that. And both of them, they described the people that they met here is copper colored people. And they compared them to the Ethiopians and the different African people. They met copper colored woolly haired people when they got here. It's well documented. I'm not making it up. That's who they seen. And, and I've run across tons of documentation. You could look at the uh, churches in Germany that still exist. Some of the older churches, they still have all this art up where they painted pictures of what the Americans looked like. And they were black people, so-called black people. But both DeSoto and uh, Columbus, they refer to them as Indians. Now, some people say, oh, you know, it's because he thought he was going to India and all that stuff. I don't think so. I think he knew exactly where he was going because the Moors were coming back and forth to America for hundreds of years. You know, they were trading. You know, America had a lot to offer. There's tons of resources here. It has more copper than most countries in the world. Uh, you name it. There's gold, oil. There's all kind of things here, right? Uranium. Um, you know, and then down where you're from in Louisiana, like they were known for brick building and, and they were trading and doing work all throughout Cuba, South America, Mexico, et cetera. And uh, that it, this is like a big elephant. So I'm trying to tell you as much as possible, but it can be broken down in pieces because this story goes all throughout Mexico and down into South America. But what happened was initially they were referred to as Indians, but as, you know, they start going back to report to, you know, to Isabel and Ferdinand and, and all the other European nations got wind that, hey, there's these people over there, there's tons of resources. And, and they looked at them as very docile people because they were friendly. And um, the next thing you know, you know, they start flooding in, building colonies. And and even in the 1600s, if you read, you know, the Europeans struggled with even surviving through the first winters. So these people taught them how to farm, you know, all these different things. But eventually they start trying to take over their territory and these wars broke out. So you'll see like all of these Indian wars. So this is another debate where the, uh, the Indian type people that you see today feel that black people are trying to steal their culture. And, and that's the furthest thing from the truth. But it's like, we're trying to figure out exactly who and what we are, because we've all been lied to, including the so-called white people. And I'm going to talk about that shortly as well. But initially, like I said, we were referred to as Indian. And then once um, you know, Europeans started to come to power here within this country and set up different governments and everything. They started to reclassify us over the years. And, and it went from uh, Indian to Negro and it went to colored and then it went to black and then it went to African-American and then black. And here we are today. Like if you start studying your genealogy, you're going to see pretty much all of it. You're going to see at one point, 
they were colored. Even at one point, they were mulatto because if you had, you know, the the Indian type that you see today in the Negro, which is the Negroid type indigenous person who's always been here, and um, they they've even mixed. And most of us, if you're honest, your your grandparents, your auntie, your uncle, somebody told you that you had Indian blood in you. But when we think of saying Indian blood, we're thinking about the Mongolian or the Asiatic looking Indian type. That's not really what it means. We were here looking just like we were here now, different color, copper color races, right? Or, or people. You could look at, you know, the oldest dictionary here in America is the Noah Webster dictionary from the 1800s. And you could look, I think it was 1823, the definition of American then was the copper colored races that were found here by the Europeans. But today it refers to those who are descendants of Europe. Mm -hmm. So for the most part, they have all migrated over here. Now they are the Americans and we dropped from second to third class citizens here in this country going to go in a little bit deeper on that in a minute but this is where the classifications came from you could look up something called the racial integrity act of 1924 with arthur plecker in uh, virginia who was the head of the census he was also a racist a eugenicist and um they were for the most part trying to change our identity wipe us out and for the most part, still the country. And that has never stopped. So coming back into the political aspect of it, we see where out in San Francisco, where these Black people were fighting for reparations. So you really have to ask yourself, because some of the criteria is that they want them to go back to find uh or to prove that they classified themselves as black or African-American in the last 10 years on the census, right? But reparations weren't due to blacks or African-American. Matter of fact, African-American term came about in the 1980s, about 1985 where Jesse Jackson, three four other people went in the closet somewhere and came out and reclassified us. But they, belong to Indians and that's where all of the you know I'm not going to even say set asides because they're indigenous to the land black people most people if you study that you can't really go to somebody's country and you can't deport them you can't deport us back you can't prove we're from Africa right because they, they try to use DNA today to say oh you're from these tribes people did it 23 and me yeah people have done that a lot yeah, like if you look at that, it says for entertainment purposes only. Now, I, I think what it does is if you want to find out who the father of a child is, I think it that gives you a very accurate description because you could only really use it on people who are living. So would you say genealogy is probably the best way to for somebody to start digging into who they are? and uh you know talk to their ancestors and figure out who they are facts so i, I always say heritage over history right mm -hmm. so because that that's you yeah. go back and dig and find out 
who your ancestors are, right? For example, talk to your 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 parents, your grandparents if they're still living, your great grandparents, your aunties, your uncles. Start getting names. Like, where are we from? You know, and nine times out of ten, you're gonna see the majority of us come from the southeastern states because we've always been in the southeastern states. Even during the ice age, the southeastern states were uncovered in Mexico and different parts like that. And then even if you start looking at maps, like the people, like, for example, they say, oh, the maps are different. I mean, that. Exactly. I was Mm -hmm. helping somebody with their genealogy, say, in Texas. Right. And we were able to get all the way back into the, the mid 1800s. And then we went further you know, the records aren't there because hell, before like 1823 or so, that was Mexico. It wasn't like part of America or the United States, so to speak, right? So, and then even where you're from in Louisiana, like in the 1500s, early 1500s, it was actually, um, it was West Florida. Like Florida expanded all the way through Alabama, Mississippi, and into louisiana right mm-hmm. and then one day they wake up and and it's louisiana because the french took over and and, and the spanish kind of only took you know the other part of florida like where florida exists today so to speak mm-hmm. and then later the british so a lot of times the maps change so if you look over the years the, the maps actually change so it'll be oh these people disappeared or whatever. No, their names were changed and the maps were changed. And I think, you know, so many of us can't speak on it in truth because we haven't done that that groundwork. We haven't done the work to figure out who we are. Um, because the truth is, you know, until you really see who your grandparents, great-grandparents, great-great-great-grandparents are, you, you, it's all just what you think you know. So, but when you start looking at these records, looking at birth certificates, um, pulling up, you know, your whole family tree, you're going to realize and things start, you start to go down different branches that may be different from your siblings as well. That is so true. Yeah. Right. So like, for example, um, my dad's side, I'm able to go all the way back into the 1700s in the state of Virginia, but which the part they were in turned to West Virginia after the Civil War. Mm-hmm. Then on my mom's side, they were in Georgia, pretty much in the same area, right on the Georgia-Alabama border, right? And, you know, I'm, I'm starting to see where I have still to this day a lot of relatives down there who own like thousands of acres of land, like they were always there. Mm-hmm. You know, they were always farmers. But going back to what I was saying earlier is like, for example, I'm San Francisco, they're trying to get reparations and by them saying, Hey, you know, prove that you were black or African-American that right there is going to disqualify them because the atrocities were happening when they were actually Indians. And then the thing is slavery didn't exist in the state of California. It didn't state, it didn't exist in all States. So go out, do your research, find out what states it actually existed in. Then you look at different time periods. So if you're looking at 1500s, 1600s, leading up to the 1700s, United States at that point didn't even exist. Didn't exist until 1776 
then prior to that, you know, you had the 13 colonies. So, and when you start looking at the 13 colonies, like here's, here's one thing you could look at, right? The 13 colonies, you look at King James, right? King James' last name is Stuart. And that becomes very important when you start studying genealogy because you'll find that there are a lot of storts that came to America when they set up the colonies. So like the King James version of the Bible, a version, not the Bible, it's a version of the Bible because there were other versions that existed prior to. It seems like right after that version was created and released, say in 1611, shortly after that, King James, his sons, King George, others, they came over here and set up the 13 colonies, you know, and that's why you have Georgia's named after King George, Jamestown, Virginia, Charleston, you know, these names are named after these people, right? And you'd be surprised because some of them were actually black because you got to think once again, the more empire existed for 800 years and when it fell some of them fled into france and germany and then they were in these areas during a time when they were were ruling that area and um you know they had colonies here in america they they were all over so history the way it's being told is being told from the victor standpoint and it has changed because if you go back you read in books say from the 16 1700s about how they were enslaving the Indians. And when you see the pictures, there were always the Negro or Negroid type people who were on the plantations. Mm -hmm. But all the books stated that they were enslaving Indians and it never talked about Africans. That didn't happen until later, as far as America's concerned. Because if you look after the Civil War, that's when the bulk of the people, immigrants, start coming into America from everywhere. If you look at Ellis Island, uh, say from 1880 to 1924, over 20 million people came into America at that time when there were only 75 million people here. So, and part of that was, is because at the end of the Civil War, Black, so-called Black people outnumbered white people especially throughout the south and if you look like right during the era of reconstruction we held all the political offices we held the majority of them and that is when the clan was created so you figure slavery ends 1865 the clan night riders 1866 they start pushing people off the land they start trying to intimidate them at the voting office because at that point, we held the power, we had a lot of land, and uh, like something I was just researching the other day, it's like, in the 19th century, we've lost over 90% of our farmland. Mm -hmm. So you look back, like once again, when I'm looking at the genealogy, all of our people were farmers. They lived on the land. They had their own land. They could make their own clothes. They, you know, they we've invented so many different things here in this country, like incredible inventions, like the cotton gin, all that stuff, because we were self-sufficient and we were thriving. And like, even like, for example, I, I, there's this is something right here that amazes me, right? When you start looking at, say the Trail of Tears, 
when they were marching the Indians, you know, out of the Southeast into Indian territory in Oklahoma, right? Right in the middle, smack dab in the middle of this territory, Tulsa, Oklahoma is where Black Wall Street springs up. So these people get pushed there and they rebuild and they build an empire. So, you know, it was only so many blocks long, but they had their own grocery stores, movie theaters, nightclubs, restaurants, schools, churches, everything. They were thriving and there was oil on the land. They were doing business like throughout the country and globally. So at this point, you know, at the end of the war, you know, you had these people coming back home and, and white America sees this community of black people thriving. You know, white people were literally going there to black banks borrowing money. And this is just one of many stories. Like this is Tulsa. It was the same thing in, in uh, Greenwood, Rosewood, uh, uh, New Wilmington, Wilmington, North Carolina. Like there were so many different areas and next thing you know, all these riots and stuff break out. But Black Wall Street, you know, to see that bombs were dropped and tanks and so forth came in, that was bigger than just the Klan. So, and it's like to this day, no reparations or anything has been paid to rectify that. So, you know, once again, you know, I go back listening to when Martin Luther King, he spoke out toward the end of his life and it could have been one of the things got him killed. He was about to march again on Washington and he started to talk about how the American government was giving out millions of acres of land in the West and the Midwest to European immigrants who were coming into the country and then telling Black people to pick themselves up by the bootstraps. So it's like today, if Black people get a welfare check or affirmative, if they get anything, which is just a drop in the bucket for the atrocities that occurred, you know, we get vilified for it, but the whole white middle class was created off of government money and there were no requirements. And we could see all day where we look in here, how these patents and so forth and land grants were just passed out, like thousands of acres given away. Like for example, from what year would I say? Like maybe... 1820s to 1900 there was some billion acres of land given out to european immigrants billions of acres and it was for the most part stolen land you know so we can go ahead to the next question i could talk for on this stuff okay. so what should we be doing now in 2023? What should we be doing now? What so much a talk of reparations and um, indigenous people? What should people be doing right now? I think that you know, politically, I'm not either a Democrat or a Republican, so I, I really don't want to offer political advice. But I would just say this. I would say you have to have some type of agenda of what it is that you want 
to help change your condition, your people's condition. You and know? I think it's important to look at it, future generations. So your children and your great-grandchildren and their children, um, what kind of society and world do you want them to live in? Um, you know, when I think about it. Yeah, so, you know, like there's several ways to look at it, right? One is the damage that has occurred has never been repaired. You know, I, I think racism as it exists today needs to be abolished. And, and it's more of a psychological thing than anything, right? Because there, there's a quote. What is that quote here? It says, race is the child of racism, not its father. So and what that's saying is that race came out of racism. You know, it, it wasn't that racism existed because of race. And the reason why I say that, like, if you go back and you really take a look at things, like in this country today, you have the so-called white man or the white race. It is a social political construct. Because you look back early on, people from Europe, they didn't come over here saying they were white people. They came over here they were Irish, they were, they were Italian, mm -hmm. they were, you know, British, you know, they were Russian or whatever they were. Just like right? we should just be American. Right. And, and we were American, mm -hmm. right? So the thing is, it's like, all of a sudden they became white. And if you look to this day, and you can look this up yourself, right? There's an acronym referred to as MENA, M-E-N-A, which is Middle East, North Africa. So Middle Eastern, North African, and European people are all classified as white in this country. So you could take somebody from Sudan, which is North Africa, who's darker than me, and they're on the census, their driver's license could be listed as white. And you don't believe me, go talk to some of these people and see if they're willing to share. And it's probably one of the reasons why they don't want you talking to Black Americans specifically. Mm -hmm. You hear these stories that when they're, you know, trying to go through immigration and they, they have to watch films and all this other stuff. And they tell them, stay away from them, Black Americans. And if you see one of them in your yard, call the police and yada, yada, yada. Uh, they're dangerous you know, other stuff, right? Say the numbers are so hijacked, um, you know, because people doing what they want on paperwork, they'll, they'll put whatever classification, which brings me to a case uh, in Louisiana. It was, um, her name is Susie Guillory Phipps versus the state of Louisiana. And this was back in 1983. And Susie um, had gotten a copy of her birth certificate from the vital statistics in Louisiana. And when she got her birth certificate, she saw that she was considered colored on her birth certificate. And um, and you can look up this case. I mean, it's, it's everywhere out there. Um, so Susie, as she said, she had been married into white, you know, white husbands times two. She was currently married to a white man. Um, 
you know, she had dark hair and dark eyes and, but she, she, you know, when you read, she, she touches her face and says, look at me, I'm white, I'm white, you know? Um, and so the, the truth is, uh, Louisiana had a, a law in act saying that if you were one out of 32 in your genealogy, then you were considered and so Susie and the, the state of Louisiana hired a genealogist. And when they went down her, her, uh, her genealogy, she had a black slave. It was her four-time great-grandmother, Margaret, which is a part of my ancestry as well. Okay. So, uh, and that whole story, which unhashed another case of Margaret, who was a, a slave to a man, a sharecropper or a farmer or whatever named Gregory Guillory. And, and Gregory was, he, I mean, he is a big part of the whole Guillory genealogy out there in Louisiana, really everywhere. So uh, it, it's a big case, but one of the things it, it, bought, it brought to light was the fact that Susie, you know, it, she had this, this black in her genealogy, but she wanted to be classified as white on her birth certificate. But I think what it brought to light was the importance of how these classifications made life better, depending on what you put. And we'll be truthful, you know, there was a lot of people in Louisiana who passed for white and went with white, but had black in their genealogy, but life was better when you put white on your applications for, you know, patents for land or whatever it is. So or white privilege. Exactly. And I think Louisiana is one of the biggest states that has a huge um, identity crisis. That's why I said, do your genealogy. You know, because there's a lot of very fair-skinned people in Louisiana who I grew up with who would classify themselves as white. But once they do their genealogy, you will see that you have Black in there. I mean, I've done mine and I grew up there, so I know a lot of the people there. So it's it's important because it is a, a identity issue. And it doesn't matter, right? If Susie wanted to put white on her birth certificate, state of Louisiana, hey, just let her put white. It doesn't matter to me, but to her, it did, right? It, it mattered to her because it could have it could have really wrecked her whole life. She was married to a white man. What if her husband at the time was like, oh no, we're not going to have this. We got a divorce, whatever, right? So for some people, it is very important, but I think it's so important to do genealogy so that you could know who you really are. Yeah, because people yeah. are saying, you know, white, black, white is all I am when there's a lot of stuff in your blood. Start shaking in family trees. Yeah. There'd be a whole bunch of folks following yeah. that you didn't know was in there. And then and, the numbers are yeah. hijacked because you are putting white or whatever. And again, we know it was, it was all to classify people. It was a classism more than racism. It was to separate people, like you said, in a political way from not gaining certain power, not being able to do certain things. But I, it's all hijacked. That's what I'm saying. It's not accurate. And, and racism came up out of all that. because, And you have to this day, you have poor poor black and white folks who were fighting pretty much for the crumbs at the end of the table. I think you have like 
the poor whites that are in the Klan feel as if, you know, these black people are taking their jobs or whatever, but it's like, you're a foreigner in the country black people are indigenous to. And, but the thing is they have more in common if they would really sit down and look at it. Cause you know, like Bill Wise say, they're both getting their clocks cleaned by the same people. And, uh, you know, and that's why it really bothers me to see racism because the people who are really at each other, at the end of the day, the person, the same people that are caught in the problem, they're going to be the ones that benefit. Yeah. You know, if anything, people should be coming together for what's right, you know, yeah. and, and fight for common cause so that everybody can get a piece of the pie. America can be the most beautiful country on the face of the earth without these issues. And that's true. Yeah. And so it's like, that's why I say you kind of have to end race, which is a psychological, political construct, right? Because once again, is if you really look at what a true white person is, that's such a small number, not only in America, but on the planet. And I think that's where a lot of this psychology of racism is stemming from because the numbers are dwindling. Like, for example, I, I watched something yesterday where up in, uh, I think it's in Maine, Portland, Maine, they have an influx of African immigrants that are coming in because, you know, they know that they have family members there. So when they're leaving their country and fleeing and coming here as prisoners of war, you know, and when they're at the border and they're like, okay, we'll give you a, a one-way bus ticket where you want to go. They're all headed to Portland, Maine. And part of the reason is you have some of these uh, states that where they might be 70, 80% white, but the average age is, is getting up there. It might be like 40, 50, 60, like, getting close to retirement age and there's not enough workers. So their workforce is not there to make sure their pensions and, their, and all that stuff mm -hmm. gets paid. So they're allowing these people to come in and I'm not saying it's slavery, but it's a chess game. And it's like, people really need to pay attention to this. Then also going back to what we were talking about earlier, when you're checking DNA, it's like at some point now you're going to have, these Africans here, which they're going to be like, oh, yeah, I told you, you guys all came from Africa and, you know, they're going to connect to DNA and blah, blah, all that stuff. It's like, no, we were already here. And like, for example, these people that are here, if their DNA connected them to their family members, say if we were brought here from slavery, all they would have to say is, hey, we have family members there, check our DNA. They're not doing that because that's not what happened. Mm hmm and uh and an, another argument is if you look back in the 1820s there was a society called the American Colonization Society that was created where they were trying to get free black folks or free people of color because everybody was not in slavery, right? There were free black people rolling around here for different reasons, whether they were Moors who came from Spain that were protected under different treaties, uh, you know, to do the same thing that a white European was able to do, right? Uh, then you also had 
people who, if they just accepted Christianity, they may have been spared, right? Yeah, so, because it's really, yeah, it's like, another story well, too. That, which is another right. classification. Too. Yeah, because it all started off based upon religion. Because if you go back to the doctrine of discovery, where the Pope actually gave you know these European nations the right to go out and colonize Africa and America because they said they weren't Christian nations in that they were heathen so they gave them the right to pretty much go out to steal kill pillage in the name of the law mm. so and this is documented so document doctrine of discovery go google pick up some books or whatever the doctrine of discovery so this came straight out of the Vatican, the Pope of Rome. And so when Columbus got here, that's why they say Columbus discovered America, because it was based upon the doctrine of discovery that gave them the right to go out to claim land, whether people were there or not. And nine times out of 10, when they got there, they met some black or brown people and they took the land. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was blessed by the Pope. And then later you seen like when they went back to Africa and diced up Africa at the Berlin conference, you know, and this all came straight out of the Vatican. Mm. So let's talk about some solutions and then we're going to wrap it up because it's, you know, we talk about the issues, but we have to talk about the solutions. So give us some solutions, Russell. What, what can we do moving forward? Um, what should we how, and again, because I believe everything is about raising consciousness as well, because we have to become unified, we have to become one wholeness, because, and, and this is this is a little bit, you know, off, off the beaten path of what we're talking about, but what if, let's just say, what if, what if we were all part of, you know, these different ancient civilizations of extraterrestrials? What if we're all a mix? of different extraterrestrials, they've all put their pieces in us. And that's why this planet is so diverse and so mixed up. What if, I'm just saying, what if, right? What if, how do we begin to become into one whole human race that's a part of different, a mix of different extraterrestrials who in very ancient civilizations put their mark on this planet and have been coming back to check on those people how do we come into oneness and raise our consciousness to to understand that? Just threw me for a loop on that one, but but it's 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 what right, is? but it's very very possible, right? When you read some of these more ancient books, um, you know. But at the end of the day, that would probably explain why some people do what they do, right? Because you have people who believe in the Illuminati, right? So it's like there's definitely a group of people, uh, obviously they have to have a lot of wealth to pull off what they're pulling off to control all the wealth when there's such a small number of people, right? And to control the minds of so many people. And, and there's a lot of science out there that's already showing about the ancient uh, Atlanteans and Lumerians in the time of that. And how, how did those civilizations rise to such power uh, during that time, uh, you know? Just saying, there's a lot of science out there. 
Yeah, so it's like the the history of this earth is ancient. So it goes goes way back. Like even if you read the Bible, it it says it starts six thousand years ago, like four thousand four BC. But we know that even before the creation of Adam, that people were already here, right? You know, they had two sons, and then eventually they go out and multiply and marry. Who the hell did they marry? Because there were people already here. There was the pre-Adamic period. And then you have, you know, all these ancient stories from these ancient books. And, you know, biblical stories kind of tie into it as well. They talk about, you know, the giants that were here on the earth. And even here in America, they found giants. Like pre-flood, after flood, you know, like we just went out west to Arizona and Utah. And, you know, we were able to see that the water, the water erosion on the rocks and the canyons and so forth, you know, whether it happened millions of years ago or just 12,000 years ago, it's like, it's something that would just leave you in awe because it had to be something of great devastation. And that was very powerful that ripped through that particular area of the country so if you ever flew out west you know you'll just look and be like what the hell happened out here mm-hmm. but uh so what are the solutions We're yeah back to that. so back to the solutions i just think that at the end of the day you know we all have to learn how to come together because it's like you know we see all this ufo stuff here we don't know how much of it is created or how much of it's real but if any of it's real you know, if we can't get together because we got a different paint job, you know, I'm, I'm like popper color. Cinnamon and somebody else is yellow and somebody else. Like, what are we going to do when green and blue and purple people show up? Exactly. You know, or in, and they're 10 times more intelligent and advanced than we are by thousands of years. We're gonna we're gonna judge them based upon their appearance. Are we gonna say and and they have the capability to come to clean your air, your oceans, all of that, you know? And it's like we really have to sit and think. Like I remember seeing something that said, "What if the cure to cancer and all these ailments and diseases we have are in the mind of somebody that can't afford education?" Yeah, I mean, you have to see the big picture view. You got to see the big picture. Yeah. And that we're all just an extension of one another. Cause it's like, if, if your neighbors are are not happy, your community's not going to be a comfortable place to live in. Yeah. So it's like, we have to find a way. And, and like, here, here's one more thing. Like the world population, we mentioned this in the last po- podcast, it's doubled since 1980. It, it's gone from 4 billion people to 8 billion people. But 4 billion of those people live off like a dollar a day. Like, so they're pretty much starving to death and living off the bare, like hanging on by a thread. But there's enough wealth and resources to care for everybody here on this planet. Now, there there are a lot of arguments, pros and cons against that. I, I believe that we have enough knowledge and technology in order to do so. Now, whether or not people are are willing to 
you know, do what it takes to make it happen out of greed, fear, or what have you, you know, that's a different story. But I, I think that it can be done. I think there are some changes that need to be made, you know, on so many different levels and different platforms, but, you know, it, it can be done. Mm -hmm. But I think once again, it's like, this particular topic, I think, you know, Black Americans really need to understand who and what you are, what you've been through, and because the only only way you're going to know on how to tackle this thing is to know what you're up against. Like, you have to go back and look and see what actually happened and deal with it in truth so that you know how to move forward. Otherwise, you're just getting moved around like a piece of sand in the wind. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So that's it, guys. You know, this is all about the psychology of race and its impact on Black Americans and where we've been, where we are right now, and what do we need to do to move forward in unity? And, and what do we want this planet, this world to look like for our kids and grandkids and great grandkids and so on, because it's up to us, you know, they're going to be reading history books and seeing what happened right now. So this is, this is what we have to do in order to change the trajectory. So, um, that's all I have. Anything else, Russell? That's it. All right, guys, this has been another episode of Matters of the Heart and Soul podcast. Um, this podcast is inspired by love, relationships, spirituality, justice, culture, family, children, finances, freedom, universal principles, health, education, masculine and feminine energies, music, and all things of the heart and soul. This is how we connect our hearts with our minds for perfect alignment and to help awaken humanity to everything that is already within you. And the only thing I want to add is check out my masterclass September 16th. All right, sign up for it. I'll include the link. Um, again, we got to go within ourselves, figure out who we are, and we bring that back out. So we appreciate you guys. Um, continue to grow and expand with us. And we will catch you guys at the next episode. Until then, lots of love and lots of light. Peace. Take care.